But my goal was never to influence. My goal was to always to create. And off the back of that, I've become influential. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. This is a community that believes that we chase purpose, not money. We understand that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. And we heed to the original 12th century definition of wealth, which says it's about the condition of well-being. In today's episode, I'm super excited to sit down with YouTube sensation Patricia Bright as she talks about how her purpose has evolved throughout the years. Now, before we get into this week's episode, remember that if you're not familiar with my six pillars of wealth, that's what we base the content on this podcast around. I invite you to come explore patricewashington.com forward slash six pillars. You can get the cheat sheet on what each pillar is and why we talk about it. Because the truth is, there are so many other parts of our lives that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. And I want you to get your hands on this. So patricewashington.com forward slash the number six pillars. Now, before we jump into today's episode, let's get to the affirmation of the week. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life, into your day. You got to affirm positivity. You got to affirm abundance. You got to affirm yourself to wealth. This week's affirmation is, I embrace the evolution of my purpose. I am multifaceted and can offer more to the world than the box others would like to keep me in. It is okay to elevate or add to a dream that no longer feels fully in alignment with my soul's assignment. God is infinite and the universe is abundant. And there are many ways outside of what I may currently be known for that I can accomplish what I've been called to do on this earth. And I'm willing to find that endless potential by taking the next best step. I embrace the evolution of my purpose. Today's guest is Patricia Bright. You know her as the British YouTube sensation. She's an influencer and mother of two, and she started that YouTube channel over 10 years ago. And unlike a lot of influencers who go viral overnight, for Patricia, it took years. While studying accounting and finance at university, she discovered YouTube vlogging and began posting content online that combined two things she absolutely loved, beauty and fashion. Now Patricia has over 1.2 million Instagram followers and almost 3 million YouTube subscribers. And she recently launched her own platform, which I can't wait to get into the break, designed to educate and empower women to become financially literate. Without further ado, here is Patricia Bright. Hey. Hi, Patricia. Hi. Hi, Patricia. Is that <laughs> oh, Patrice? No. Patricia. So I was going to tell you, I was going to ask you, does anyone ever call you Patrice or Pat or anything other than Patricia? 
Um, most of the time. I think most people love to like shorten the name Patricia. So I've had Patrice a few times, Pat, Patty, like there's oh lots of different people call me. <laughs> okay. I don't know about you, but most people will end up calling me Patricia and I have to go Patrice. Uh-huh. Like my right. daughter, my daughter cracks up because I will, I will correct them. I've learned that it's okay to honor my name. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get to right, honor like, my name. You want to? You do that. And I actually hate Patty or Pat, like when anyone calls me that. For some reason, there's something about it that I don't love. Um, yeah. But we roll with it, right? Yeah, <laughs> it it does irk. Pat and Patty irk my spirit. I'm not going to lie Yeah, to there's it's, something it's just, about it. <laughs> it's just something about it. No offense to the Pat and Patties of the world, but that's just <laughs> not my name. And it does <laughs> irk my spirit. But I am so um, excited to chat with you today. Um and I really want to jump right into it. I know that you started your YouTube channel back in 2010 um, and turned, you know, your hobby into basically a million dollar empire based on content cre creation. You were studying accounting and finance. What yes. did your Nigerian parents think when you were like, I'm going to really go all in on this YouTube channel? They didn't know. I, they, I didn't tell them. It was something I did on the side for like six years, which I did very low key. So I graduated. I got my job. I worked a good job. Everyone was proud. But secretly, I just kept doing this thing on the side. It wasn't that big. So I didn't need to tell my Nigerian parents anything. <laughs> um, and even when I quit my job, I didn't tell them I'd quit my job. I told them I'd got a new job in marketing, but they didn't know I was marketing myself. Um, so yeah, I kept the secret for a while. Oh my yeah. gosh. Now I'm not Nigerian. I think I'm probably originally Nigerian. A lot of right. people ask me if I am, um, but I am Belizean American. And okay. I know coming out of college, I was a business major as well. I mm -hmm. emphasize in entrepreneurial studies, but my family still thought that I was going to get a job but I started a real estate and mortgage brokerage at 21. I mean, and that's a job, isn't that? Or it, they wanted me to go get somebody else's job and okay. they were not necessarily happy uh, with that decision. How did your family feel when they finally found out? By then, were you just successful? So they were like, huh, okay. In all honesty, I feel like my family trusts me they're like, whatever you do, do it well. And I think they always know that things will turn out all right. So they weren't mad. They were all like, okay, if that's what you want to do, do it well. Like that was what the energy that they gave me versus no, don't do this. And I will always appreciate my parents. So like installing that in me, like you can do anything as long as you try it and work hard, you'll be fine. So they always gave me that even though I felt scared to tell them. Yeah, I love that. As a mom now, I have a 14-year-old daughter, which sounds crazy to me still. Um, but, um, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and what I've really been focusing on is just allowing her to figure out what floats her boat, like what makes her happy. Because I grew up, not necessarily, my parents weren't that hardcore about it, but I had like uncles who would decide what my cousins would do in college. Like well, you were I... going to be an engineer, you were going to be an architect, you were going to be an attorney. And mm -hmm. I mean, it ultimately backfired um, because m most of them ended up hating 
that chosen field. I love what you said about your parents, because my goal is to teach my daughter to truly embrace her purpose. Like what, Mm -hmm. what gives you light? What, what lights you up? What gives you energy? How are you passing on what your parents taught you to your two girls? I feel like what's interesting is by having two is that each child has their own natural personality type and their own natural gift. And as much as I might want to squeeze one to be a certain way, they're not going to be that way. And even if we raise them all the same, exactly the same, they're all, they all have a natural different gift. So for me, the thing I want to install in them is that the ability, like if you're going to do something, do it well. That's something I, I learned from my parents and also to kind of move with, without fear like do what you want to do try it and if it doesn't work okay try something else like there's nothing wrong with failing versus like backing off and being scared like I don't want that to be the nature of my children I want them to take the risk and feel confident to do that so that's the main thing I'm trying to install in them right now and to just be themselves honestly yeah I love that that move without fear um so one of the things that I really have enjoyed about just seeing you over the years, because every once in a while you just pop up on my YouTube and I'm mm-hmm. like, this, look at this cute little chocolate girl. She's just <laughs> as cute as she want to be. Um, one of the things that I've enjoyed seeing um, from you is just your confidence and how you show up online. Um, I believe that you've given black girls permission to be genuinely and transparently themselves on camera. Um, because of how maybe your parents raised you, do you feel like you've always had that sense of confidence? Um, Because for me, that was not my story. I grew up like feeling like the ugly duckling and I couldn't imagine being your age and doing all this stuff on camera. My career has required that I grow into that, but what's it been for you? For me, I feel like I've been naturally delusionally, sorry, my daughter's crying, so it's coming. I feel like I've been like delusionally I'm confident. And again, I will give that to my parents. I've watched them do things, uh, particularly my mom, that nobody would believe that they should be able to do. And then they do it with ease. So like, I look at that and I'm like, Meh, I can do whatever I want. I can be whoever I want to be because it, all things are possible. So these kind of, I don't, I didn't have very m- many limitations on myself. And I just kind of, am like, as long as I just, make a decision about something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. And I'm not that scared of failing. Like I, I'm not scared of being embarrassed or, or awkward. I just do me and just, I just know that it will work out well. That like, this is my natural mindset, um, which is often a bit delusional. <laughs> like most people don't think this way yeah. and I'm a natural taker. But I think it's also been something that's kind of helped me in my journey. I just do what I feel like and usually it works out, but not always. Yeah. You know what? I love that term, basically delusional confidence, because I was delusional to think I could start a real estate and mortgage brokerage during senior year in college. And I remember um, one of my entrepreneurial studies professors gave us a project and it was to build like a fake business. And so we had to do all of the research, all of the work. And I turned my project in and said, yeah, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do now. And he's Mm -hmm. like, 
you can't do this now. You need five to seven years and you need to do this and you need to do that. And he gave me one of the worst grades I had in that program, which was like a B minus. I was used to pretty much getting A's. And he said, because it was unrealistic. And Patricia, girl, I don't know what happened. Something just raised up in my spirit. I was like, he's nuts. I definitely (laughs) do this. And I just like went all the way. And now that I'm 41 and I'm looking back at being 21, Mm -hmm. that was some delusional confidence. Yeah, especially in the face of someone telling you you can't because most people get those no's and they kind of shrink or they become fearful. But that did the opposite to you. It made you say, actually, um, I'll prove you wrong. And that's a a gift as well to actually not be knocked down by that no and like make a move. So that's sick. Like, that's great. Oh, my gosh. So in your delusional confidence, I'm sure, right, I love the quote, no good deed shall go unpunished. You have this thriving YouTube platform, but I'm sure that you still deal with trolls or you still deal with like naysayers, at least from time to time in the comments. How do you deal with that? Uh, Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I've had my fair share of troubles online. In the scheme of things, I think I recognize it's really not that important. And I also recognize it does hurt, though. I can't lie and say that I haven't been impacted by some of the things I've said or I've heard said about me or things that I've done and things that I've got in trouble for online. And it does make me want to rethink about how I show up. And I am a little bit more cautious. However, my thing about it is I, I don't want to like. I think for all creators, it's really to to remember your original essence and don't allow like the bad things and the troubles that happen to kind of change that. So I have to remind myself to not let these things get to me and to just show up as I always have. But also I try and put up some personal coping mechanisms and ensure that I've got balance at home and balance in my life as well. I have a confession to make. My relationship with looking good is so complicated. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like high quality clothes. I just don't like going shopping and I definitely don't always want to pay high quality prices, if you know what I'm saying. Plus, I don't always want to wear the same stuff over and over again. So I was super excited when I found out about the clothing rental membership armoire because they are making getting dressed stylish, but super easy. When I signed up, I took a five minute style quiz and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my lifestyle. I'm filming in a few weeks and I literally just got the cutest blazers delivered to my door in as little as two days. And when I'm ready for new clothes, I can just swap them out for more new-to-me styles. So whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for some black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room and you won't have to feel bad for only wearing something once. Now, What I also love is that Armoire is women-founded and women-led. They even spotlight women-owned designers on their website. So I know I'm wearing brands that are aligned with my values. I love that I can support a business that's built by women like me. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you might want to try Armoire. I promise you will never be without the perfect outfit for any occasion ever again. And right now, Redefining Wealth listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash wealth. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E 
dot style slash wealth to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Yeah, that's good. Has anything shifted in terms of like how cautious you are now that you are a mother? Well, yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm the kind of person is I don't want any opinions about me raising my children. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Everyone's different. So I avoid I don't put my children up very much and I don't show every nitty gritty detail of my life um, because someone's always going to have something to say. And like if I can't really clap back, then I'd rather just <laughs> step, step away, step away and not show too much. Yeah. When, at what point did you realize that you were an influencer? Because you said you were doing it for like six years before yeah. you like really went all in full time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I realized probably once I started like booking more work and then when my work started being more than I could handle at my actual job. I was like, oh my gosh, this could be a real career. But even when I started, it wasn't something that many people familiar with. There was no road, like there was no path to be like, oh, this is your earning potential. So I think once I was like, I can see something happening, I was like, right, I'm doing this. This could be a career. But the title influencer didn't exist. What I was doing was I found that I was working with brands and um, they wanted to work with me more and more. That was at the point where I was like, this is a real thing. Yeah. Were you ever nervous about like accepting such a title? Like once people understood like, oh, influencer, did you just see it as like, oh, it's just a title or did it, did you feel like it gave you more kind of weight or responsibility? Um, so I still don't really love the term influencer because I really don't know if I resonate with that as like a, as a who I am, but I think that like, I accept that I built audience and audience love to hear what I've got to say and what I'm doing and what I'm interested in. So there is, of course, responsibility associated with that. So I definitely feel the the pressure of being very cautious about what I present to my audience because it's taken me 10 years to build it up and it could take one wrong gig, one wrong job or promotion to actually kind of, you know, ruin that. So it is something I'm really precious about, but my goal was never to influence. My goal was to always to create. And off the back of that, I've become influential. So here we say chase purpose, not money. So we focus on what we're feeling led to do, understanding that the byproduct, you know, if you're consistent and intentional and all those things will become money. I heard an interview you did um, where you mentioned that growing up poor led you for a season to chase money. How has mm -hmm. your relationship with money kind of evolved over the years? Yeah, definitely. I think people who've struggled or, you know, immigrants or have come from poor backgrounds recognize sometimes there are choices that we have to make that are about income. So I often felt like I did not have the room to go and do the like fun job or the fun career. So like as much as I wanted to study fashion, fashion is not going to get me 
is not going to get the rent paid. So I knew I had to make the choice to be an accountant. I, I didn't have the luxury of those kind of career options. Um, and so I chased those, those kind of careers and I worked in the banking industry because I was not going to risk being poor. <laughs> so, um, I, and I like that because I think there was definitely skills in those industries that I learned. And then I did my passion on the side, which was the content creation. And off the back of that, I then started to make more money, which meant that I could quit the job. But then while I'm obviously doing it and chasing my passion and enjoying that level of purpose, I was wanting more and more checks and doing more and more projects. And I ended up doing quite a lot of projects to the point I'm like, "Mm, okay, it's great. It's fun. Doing projects is great. But is this actually something that I really like gives me purpose is my only goal to like do projects. And I also then had to kind of scale back and realize it's not always about the project. It's about how I feel, um, which is where I am a little bit more now that that seeking purpose is really important in relation to doing something, particularly for the long run, because you can keep getting checks and be really, really bored, um, which is something I don't want to do. Yeah, I so resonate with that. I started about 10 years ago or so now myself. And, you know, I remember when you first start getting the opportunities, you want to take advantage of everything. You're like, yes, yes, yes. And then I got to a point where I realized you're going to have to start saying no. Like you have to start saying no to some things. Right. And then I go, okay, I want to be able to discern between you know, a good opportunity and a God opportunity for me, like, like, Mm -hmm. okay, I could do it. And yes, I'm good at it. But do I really want to do it? Is that does it feel right? And then it became, you know, the great opportunities. And then it was like the phenomenal opportunities. And they just the opportunities kept getting better and better. But I had to literally get to what's most fulfilling. Like what feels right for you? in your body you know Mm -hmm. like what is the what is a hell yes i want to do that and what is like a i mean i could how can you make it (laughs) it's hard it is it it is it's been it's been really hard but for me you know at the beginning of the year what i've started to do is outline what the like hell yes type of opportunities need to look like And so it's helped me have like a rubric almost so Mm -hmm. that when something is presented, even if it because some things can look good and they just be a distraction. Let's keep it real. Right. And you go for brand work, for example, I got to the point with brand work where I said, if they need a quick turnaround, I'm not your girl. Like you can't you know how brand work it'll take forever to get through legal and then they want to go, Okay, it's like. I was not working on that while you were discussing all of this in your legal department. Yeah. So it's not going to be ready tomorrow. That's not yeah. happening. Yeah. And I started to tell my agent to be more clear that I need at least seven days just to think about the content or just to think about what it is. So people who would come to me with last minute deals, even if it met the minimum dollar amount, if mm-hmm. it didn't meet my personal like i need the space to think and actually process then i'm like no it's a no you're not gonna run me ragged yeah and it's hard to say no to like check sometimes but you actually have to for your own like sanity like makes a lot of sense yeah i know that you're in what you calling a personal growth challenge right now you refer to it as 
BBLW. <laughs> I, mean, I was. I kind of jumped off that ladder. <laughs> but in general, I, I do try to work on like my personal development and and my growth all the time and always thinking about how I want to challenge myself. That's really important for me. Um, so I feel like I'm always on a growth challenge, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been basically redefining wealth for yourself. When you look at those areas, body, business, lifestyle, wellness, what did that mean for you at the time that you were sharing about that? Um, I think it was about um, probably having a bit more balance. So I think that in my on my journey of like building and business and all that jazz, sometimes I let myself go because all of that stuff isn't, I don't find myself as important, but I really had to start reflecting on like, why don't I think I'm as important as say a brand deal or a project? Like I am just as important. So I think for me, there's it's about this life balance as well. And I feel like if you can get your life balance right, your business can flourish. Like once your head and your mind and your body is in a right place, you are clear about where you want to go. And that's how you really can like scale up more so. And I think a lot of us get focused on the work, the work, the work, the work, the work, and we let ourselves go. And we wonder why we're clear, unclear and discombobulated. So that is like something that's really important to me. And I'm not perfect at it. And I've worked with like people to help me learn how to kind of reframe thought and kind of think about how I want to move forward. Um, and that's been really invaluable to me. Yeah. Okay. Purpose chasers. You heard her, right? She, had, <laughs> she essentially said when there is clutter in all the other pillars, that is the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We think that it's about, oh, I need to work more which means I need to sleep less and I need to not eat and I need to hustle and grind and I need to not go out with my family and not take time for my spouse and not do. No, it's actually the opposite. I truly believe it's the opposite when we are intentional about these other pillars of our lives. So many things open up like the clarity um, and the ability to get creative and see the mm -hmm. opportunities yeah. before us. Right. And, Think okay. about like, what are the bottlenecks in my business? How can I streamline? What do I want next for my career? For me, every time I take inventory on my mental wellness, my physical fitness, my environment, my faith, my relationships, I'm working on those things, but it's also opening up like greater possibility in the work stuff. And therefore the money is the byproduct, but we get it like the, yeah twist it right sure, we, sure. we look at it the other way around yeah there's no point in being rich and stressed out like that's depressing so i'd rather be happy that. and work on that <laughs> yeah when i started podcasting i had nothing no fancy equipment no cover art no theme music I just had this burning desire that I was supposed to use my purpose of helping people redefine wealth in the podcasting space. And so with some intentional planning, I launched what became the Redefining Wealth podcast in just three weeks. That was four years ago. And today the Redefining Wealth podcast has over 9 million downloads. We've interviewed everyone from celebrities to entertainers to authors and thought leaders. We've been featured everywhere from Success Magazine to Cosmopolitan and even Good Morning America. Now, why do I share all that? Because I'm not special. The truth is this started with 
leaning into my purpose, and being willing to use my voice in a powerful way. And I bet that there's something that's calling you as well, something that you need to use your voice to amplify in the marketplace. So I wanna help you do that. If you're finally ready to use your voice and launch a podcast that aligns with your purpose, I wanna invite you to check out my intentional online training, Podcast with Purpose. You can find out more details at podcastwithpatrice.com. That's podcastwithpatrice.com. Your purpose deserves to be amplified, and I want to help you do that. So one of the pillars that we talk about here, Patricia, is the space pillar. And so we talk about setting up your life to support you. And one of the videos that I saw of you, you were talking about, or maybe I saw this on your Instagram, but renting an apartment to kind of have separation of your home life versus your work life. Talk yeah. about that. And what's that, what's that been like? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> update, I actually ended up getting rid of that space. But really? I basically rented an apartment to like create content in, to bring my team to, to like, when I needed space to be at, right? And I had all these ideas of what I was going to do with that space because I really felt like I needed that. And then I got it and it was a responsibility, a new responsibility I've kind of given myself. And I realized I was not going to the flat as much as I thought I was going to go to the flat or to the apartment. I realized I was not creating the content I thought I was going to create there. Um, and then I realized that my team was going there and working there. And then there were things that they needed that like, you know, a hand towels that I hadn't picked up and I had to organize the cleaner going there. And I realized actually, I've actually put more responsibility on myself and actually I don't need that. And I don't want that. <laughs> and so I recently just like um, stopped renting it. And I've got, for instance, a new office space where it's all managed by their it, uh, its own team. My team will go there got a great working space here in my home that I actually decluttered and used and the one lesson I've learned is sometimes we think we need something new or something different or we need to move location but actually maybe we just need to work with what we have better um which is what I you know I had to learn that lesson and I'm back here but I feel much more equipped to create and do what I want to do because I just feel clearer and my circumstance hasn't changed that much. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a great lesson. I love that. And, you know, for the last couple years, I've been going back and forth myself about do I get an office space for my team members? And I'm like, oh, you know, I could, but I know that I wouldn't go. Like, I know that I wouldn't go. My, <laughs> my dream, when I wrote out my ideal day, it was always go downstairs to your home office in your fuzzy slippers. Mm-hmm. Girl, yeah. I have fuzzy slippers on right now. If I could lift my leg up, I would show you, right? I redid my basement. And so I have this whole kind of suite, if you will, that's for my office. And I'm like, no, I for me, it's okay if everyone mm-hmm. works remotely. But I had to get okay with that because I was kind of in conversation with so many of my peers here, right? And they would talk about the office and the team going there and kind of not intentionally, but insinuate that if you want a real business or you want to grow it. And I'm like, but I run a seven figure business from my basement. I I think that's actually a win. Like I don't, but I had to not look to the left or right 
and start to make other people's ideas my goals. I, you yeah. always have to come back to what is true for you. Yeah, for sure. And I realized that, say, Beyonce, she has a studio in her house. She creates in her house. Many people have at-home studios so they can create constantly and create magic constantly. But imagine if you have to drive for an hour, sit in traffic, then go set up, then move the equipment and, oh, you've left something at home, then you need to go back. Then, like, it doesn't work if you want to actually, like, kind of create at a high level. For me personally, mm -hmm. I found that having a, a home or an environment that allows productivity is really, really important. And even if you just need to jig things around to create that space that's, you know, close to you, then fine, someone needs to do that. But the office for me, I realized was more work. Like it was giving me another stress, let alone another rent to pay. And then responsibilities that I don't even want to do at home. Why would I want to do it at an office space? <laughs> so right. um, yeah, I had to learn. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good that you learned quickly and you were like in and out. Yeah, um, okay, mom. so <laughs> but yeah, what I love about watching you too is that while you did have that, you know, accounting background and the finance background, you really built your brand with the the beauty and the fashion. But now you've evolved back into bringing in that financial literacy component to what you're doing. How did the break come about? So I think for me, obviously, I love fashion. I love beauty and all that jazz. Um, but there were I run a business at the end of the day and I've been running a business for the last, you know, as a content creator for seven years. And there were many, many rookie mistakes that I had made things that I didn't know. Um, and I began to kind of learn way more about my money, way more about building and managing my wealth. And in my private life, Every people will call me, other influencers will call me for financial and monetary and pension advice. Like I gave everybody the accountant details. I got everyone into incorporating, like everybody would want to know my opinion on this stuff. And I'm like, man, I really need to do some videos on this. I really need to do some videos on this. Like I bought houses with my money. I was like, I should do some videos on this. And then I think fundamentally, I just really felt like, called to like create some content in this space to like fulfill the itch that I had because I knew this stuff and I knew that I wanted to share it I was sharing it all the time and so then I was like right I'm going to share this with the girls share this with the world whoever needs to hear it they can go to this place and get like easily digestible content in this space that should hopefully kickstart them and stop them from making the mistakes that I had made when it comes to my finances and that's really what the trigger was. I love that. And your audience has received it well? Really well, really well. And it's not just my audience. It's like an audience beyond my audience as well. So it's been great to see. Like I've got far more male followers now than I've ever had in my life. And I never knew that men watched me because my audience has always been like 98% female. And then like now I get approached by guys. I'm like, oh, sugar, you know, guys love the money stuff and they, they follow me, which is great. Um, but no, it's been really great to do that and just see how valuable it is. Yeah. I love that you allowed your purpose to evolve. You know, I mean, there's a lot of content creators, I'm sure, and, and myself included, where I was known for one thing. And so to rock the boat. Yeah. Or to think that you can all of a sudden, like, add these other elements 
you know, for me, I was known here as America's Money Maven and I'm on talk shows and doing radio and doing all this stuff. And it's just about basic personal finance. But I felt like I was being called to teach people more about redefining wealth, which was sharing these other pillars of my life outside Mm -hmm. of just money, because these are the things that impact my finances. And if you don't know about this, you know, it doesn't matter how much I just tell you about the money stuff. You have to understand the conversations behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And initially I was like, man, can people receive like me talking about relationships or parenting or my faith or all these other things? I was a little nervous. I, I didn't mm-hmm. have the the rock solid move without fear like you did. I was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I know I had the fear making the pivot because I realized that. I'm a beauty and fashion girl talking about finance. How are people going to believe that I know what I'm talking about? And also, am I going to lose my status in the beauty and fashion world because I'm talking about money? And so those brands may not want to work with me now because they completely see me as a new character. So it has been scary and I'm trying to work out how to still balance the two because I've got interest in both um I haven't mastered it but I feel like I'm on that journey with it now yeah yeah one of the things that I learned um when I I even sent an email out to my audience and said hey I'm feeling called to talk about these things can you receive more than money from me and the thing that I found most fascinating is that people started to reply and they're like oh but you've always talked about so and so and I'm like I guess I have because when it's in you, it just comes out. So I'm like, it's not like I haven't mentioned faith. It's not like I haven't talked about family. It's not like I haven't talked about fitness. I just didn't see myself that way because I felt like I was in this personal finance box. But Mm -hmm. the audience was like, girl, you've been doing that. Now we just call it something. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's yeah. weird because I think a lot of us don't want to be put into a box because we are so multifaceted. I think almost all of us have like multiple different interests. And I think the internet gives us the platform to really talk about it all if we really wanted to. And people can join us for the journey. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's what it is. It's just a journey. And we need to know that the journey is full of ups and downs, twists and turns. We're not one dimensional and that we have a right to be all of ourselves and to embrace all of these different interests that we have and share if we desire to share. So thank you for um, using your platform to do that. Before I let you go, I wanna ask you what we call uh, redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. So Mm -hmm. I'm gonna ask you a few things, just tell us the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. (laughs) All right, the first one is, how do you define success? I define success by being able to execute on the visions that you decide and define for yourself. That's one of the best ones I've heard. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Wealth is a form of flexibility and security. Now, girl, you know that's not three words. Uh, yeah, I was a sentence. <laughs> wealth is. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is wealth? Wealth is the good life. The good, the life. good life. The good life. The good life, period. No, yes. I like it. I yeah. also like form of flexibility. I think that was really 
Yeah, I think that was really good. I'm going to let you have two answers. The good life and also form of flexibility. There I we like go. That. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Mm. It's not really a book about wealth or money, but the one book I love is called Feel, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. And I think it's just, I feel like it's my mantra that I live by. And I think that as long as, even if you feel uncomfortable about trying something or doing something, like you need to feel that and still move. And I think that that also applies to wealth and wealth generation and just living a thriving life. Like fear is a natural thing. You got to feel it and you got to go because you're never not going to have an aspect to fear within your life. Yeah. That is so good, especially with money stuff, because I find that a lot of women in my community are waiting until they think they get it perfect. Yeah, or they think they know everything about real estate before they can take the next step in doing something, you know, or every and you're just not going to know it. And it's OK to you're not going to yeah. have all thousand steps mapped out. It's like take the first step and then take the next. Yeah, yeah, I love that. OK, this is the last one. It's fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Patricia and the, how, what's the sentence? <laughs> the, blank, as in, the, the truth about wealth is. My name is Patricia and the truth about wealth is, it's not just monetary. Amen. Amen. We get that here. That's that's what we thrive on. We understand yeah. that here. Cool. <laughs> Patricia, thank you so much for being here. Um, how can folks follow you if there's anyone left on the planet that is not following you? How can <laughs> they follow you um, on your YouTube and Instagram or wherever you want to send folks? Yeah, you can just find me at Patricia Bright on Instagram, Patricia Bright on YouTube. I'm also on TikTok. I still make a lot of fashion and beauty content because I love it. Um, but yeah, you can find me on the internet somewhere. <laughs> that is awesome. Make sure that you tag Patricia and let her know that you heard her story here on the Redefining Wealth podcast. And you guys, I hope that you take away so many of these good nuggets just about moving even with the fear, right? We do it we do it in spite of it's not that you have to be fearless you can acknowledge the fear and still make a choice to move forward i know that my big takeaway is delusional confidence like mm -hmm. that is going to be my thing and i love thinking about the delusional confidence i've had all throughout <laughs> all throughout this journey but being aware of that term I think yeah. it's going to really help me continue to just push forward um, and staying in tune with your original essence. No matter what happens as you are building this platform, yes, you may have the internet trolls, you may have naysayers, you may, you know, be filled with doubt yourself. But the reality is you were called to do something and that call is so strong. All you have to do is continue to tap back in to that original essence, as Patricia calls it. Mm -hmm. And I pray that it'll keep you moving forward in purpose, even it, as it evolves throughout your life. Um, that's it for me today. You can follow me on Instagram at SeekWisdomPCW. Until next time, you guys, I just want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. We'll talk to you later.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.